Hello, I'm Joshua Groisberg, a history enthusiast. And I'm Jacob Friedman, founder of People's Big News. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful analysis and maybe some comedy along the way. So we're going to be talking about the January 6th committee drama, what has been unfolding the past week or so. We're also going to talk about the Tokyo Olympics beginning and the fears of the Delta variant of COVID-19 as how it is spreading around the world. As was being reported, Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader for the GOP, named Jim Banks, Jim Jordan, Troy Niels, Rodney Davis, and Kelly Armstrong as his selections to the January 6th committee. As, as part of the selection process for how to organize the committee that's supposed to investigate what happened on January 6th and how the country can move forward. And what had happened was that Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, blocked both Jims, Banks and Jordan, for basically being seditionist idiots and obstructionists. And then after that, McCarthy, McCarthy pretty much pulled all of his picks out, saying, not, you know, it's not bipartisan, it's Pelosi trying to hurt Republicans. The reaction from some of the more established media, from CNN's Chris Saliza to New York Times, are basically saying that Pelosi just ruined the committee's chances of actually being a watershed moment because it's not bipartisan enough and it's going to fail. Like many who have a functioning brain, that is ridiculous. Number one, Liz Cheney, the former you know, third-ranking House GOP leader, is on a committee. Pelosi picked her. Two, the original bipartisan committee that was offered, that was actually almost there. That was almost going to be that this committee to investigate January 6th be sunk by GOP backlash. And three, for Kevin McCarthy, putting Jim Jordan, who's made a career out of being a jerk on committee hearings, you know, Judiciary Committee and uh, one of the big gossip committees for a while, he's pulling all these sorts of stunts. And Jim Banks, who was already treating the committee like a witch hunt, that doesn't signify a serious attempt at a bipartisan investigation of what happened on January 6th. I wasn't even talk about how, you know, Pelosi kept Troy Niels on, even though he voted to not certify the election results, or that McCarthy is just a spineless coward that he's scared of testifying for the committee about his experiences on that day, which included taking a phone call from President Trump. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, Nancy Pelosi is obviously in a very tough spot. It's very hard to create a bipartisan uh, commission to investigate the January 6th Capitol riots, when really the establishment Republican Party is trying to essentially revise history on how it happened. You know, following along with conspiracy theories like the ones Tucker Carlson is pushing of, you know, the FBI helping orchestrate the entire thing and all of that. So really, if Nancy Pelosi wants to build a bipartisan commission, it's just such a big challenge to do that when one party as an institution is trying to undermine the entire event in the first place. And I must say that I honestly, I'm pretty sure Kevin McCarthy knew that Jim Banks and Jim Jordan just weren't going to fly. It's almost as if he named them just to kind of put up a middle finger towards the entire process. I mean, did he really expect Nancy Pelosi to take these nominees seriously and put them on a commission to investigate one of these serious attacks on our democracy since the Civil War and the War of 1812? And so, for example, like you mentioned earlier, Nancy Pelosi naming Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney is an example of somebody of a Republican who really cares about the process, who would be a good pick, be serious about looking into the entire process and not believing in super conspiracy theories that the far right is pushing. 
Honestly, I don't like Liz Cheney as a politician because I disagree with a lot of her policies. She supported a lot of Trump policies while Donald Trump was in office. But she has some serious backbone going out to the Capitol front steps and telling reporters about the ridiculousness of Kevin McCarthy's picks, right? I mean, she has more backbone and more of a spine than the House Minority Leader does, or frankly, most people in her party. I mean, what happens now, right? We don't really know. Will the commission actually come together? I really hope so. But for now, I don't think Pelosi or McCarthy are going to back down because of a fear of looking for a clue. I know that the House Minority Leader only makes those picks in consultation with the Speaker. I think that's how what the actual you know, resolution to create the committee, what the House voted on, that, that's what it said. But, you know, if there needs to be a change, I mean, they can all, you know, the House will obviously vote for it, barring any, you know, stupidity. But the reports now is that Pelosi is going to put Adam Kissinger from uh, Illinois, a Republican who has been trying to uh, reclaim the Republican Party, so to speak, on the, com- on the committee as, again, another serious, you know, member. And yeah, I'm for it. I, as you said, Joshua, he, like Liz Cheney, has a backbone. You know, he has some sort of moral conscience that doesn't, you know, have him lie to reporters and whitewash history, re- engage in historical revisionism, put him on the side of, you know, traitors and cowards. Cheney, Kissinger, Deborah Rugerman, you know, former, I think, Virginia uh, representative, who was trying, who's now making a name for himself as a anti-Trump uh, conservative operative. You know, that would definitely be a, a good step towards actual bipartisan effort to investigate. Well, I mean, and even then, like, assuming this commission comes together with, like, politicians like Cheney and Kinzinger, and the question is, would it really be bipartisan? These politicians you mentioned, these Republicans, they've essentially become aliens to their very own party, right? They're kind of out of line with the Trumpist ideals of the Republican Party. So the question is, even if you put Democrats and these Republicans on a, on a commission, what kind of substantial impact could they have on how we view the January 6th riots? And how could that impact how we view history in the future, right? True. I, I would say that even the notion of saying bipartisan doesn't really apply here because one party has literally become the home of, of sedition and insurrection and of racism, sexism, anti-Semitism, etc. But you're right. Cheney, Kinsinger, they're being pushed out to the sidelines, but that's exactly why we need them. That's exactly why we need you know, the remnants there is now to be there, because we need to show that this isn't about policy. Trumpism was not about policy. It is a fascist movement that, that didn't really care for law and order. It had a contempt for any perceived attack on liberty. It wore hunger for violence. It, it, it was all encapsulated on January 6th. And it's continuing as the likes of, of representatives, Andy Biggs and, and Clyde and Tucker Carlson going after the Capitol Hill police officers and saying it was a normal tourist visit. Yeah, you're right. This party is doomed. It's, it's, about, it's about setting an example, really. It is about saying for small de-democratic values and a civilized world. Well, our next story concerns the Olympic Games, which have just begun in Tokyo, Japan. These games were supposed to be a symbol of a stronger world post-pandemic. That's what many people really hoped the Olympic Games in 2021 would become. Unfortunately, the cases are rising everywhere. With the surge of the new Delta variant, which I believe has originated from India, it's far more infectious and affecting those especially who are unvaccinated. In fact, some athletes, some of who have actually been fully vaccinated, have tested positive for the virus. And this is all happening while vaccination rates in the U.S. are beginning to lag behind. Currently, they're in speculation of a booster shot, although the CDC and Pfizer differ on this. See, the CDC says, hold on, you don't need the booster shot yet. And Pfizer says, you do. 
even, you know, Fox News, which has always been a huge source for vaccine misinformation, it has recently done a complete 180 on the vaccination process. For example, Brian Comey to Fox and Friends, he all of a sudden starts to say, go out and get the vaccine. It's safe. Please do it. Even Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson have begun to really, you know, change their stance on the vaccines. Just goes to show Fox News won't change for what's right until the issues run on their doorstep. Well, I'd, so I push back on that. I have to say, uh, paraphrasing what former Republican operative Rick Wilson was saying, there must have been a really in- interesting memo being sent out to all the you know Republicans in Congress and Seouses and Murdoch land. Because like Sean Hannity on his radio show, like the day after he started saying on, on, on his nightly show on Fox that, you know, get the vaccine, he started going out saying, oh, I don't think you can get, get to the COVID vaccine. It's really for show. Kay Ivey, Republican governor of Alabama, saying, you know, I blame the unvaccinated for the cases rising. You know they're not actually going to take the steps needed to get more people vaccinated because it's not about public health. It's not even about liberty. It's just about gaining as much power as possible. First, it was politicizing masks. Then it was politicizing the vaccine and all of that. The consequences have been deadly for America. The idea of two Americas, one that is vaccinated and one that is more or less returned to normal life, where COVID-19, even if people get sick, they're less likely to be hospitalized or go to the ICU or die from it. And then you've got another America where vaccination rates are very low. There's a lot of vaccine hesitancy. More and more people are dying from they're getting others sick and they're, you know, ignoring guidelines for unvaccinated people. Hyperpartisanship is very bad in our country, but this idea of two Americas will make it even worse. It would add kind of a physical well-being front to this entire divide that we see in America. So unless we get everybody in America vaccinated nationwide, regardless of political party or where they live, then we're going to suffer divides like nobody's ever seen before in history. That's why we need mandatory vaccines, with exceptions for the immunocompromise, of course. Get everyone who is medically able to get vaccinated, vaccinated. Get vaccine passports. The, The most stupidest thing I ever heard was Ron DeSantis blocking cruise ships, a crucial part of Florida's revenue, their economy, blocking them from you know, mandating proof of vaccination for their you know, customers who are you know on a cruise ship, crucial vectors for disease. And if you remember from the beginning of the pandemic, that was one of the most biggest stories of February and March, that this cruise ship was docked and they couldn't get off. Israel is putting its foot down. They had a great, great vaccination rate, but they're putting their foot down and saying, look, for like the three people who still haven't gotten vaccinated, who, you know, holdouts, get vaccinated. Or else you're not going to be able to enter restaurants, bars, etc. And so here in America, private companies, I, again, I'm not conservative. So protection of private property is not really my main tenant of my political philosophy, but private property. If the government at least isn't going to do it, allow private companies to protect their private property. If they want to step up, if private companies do want to step up and say, yeah, we don't want our people getting sick. We want to actually survive as a company. You know, allow them to have vaccine passports. There's no reason if you're healthy, and, you know, especially if you're young, to not get vaccinated. You know, if you're medically able to. You know, if getting free beer and lottery tickets won't do the trick, maybe a fine will. Finding people who aren't getting vaccinated. You know, go to the courts. We have to mandate this. If we do vaccine passports, we have to respect the fact that we need, you know, medical privacy. But we need to do this. We need to get some system to keep Americans healthy. And what's even worse is. With regards to those who are vaccinated, like you and I, we're both fully vaccinated. There's no national database to check if we're vaccinated or not. Meaning this whole idea of vaccine passport, it could be remedied if we have some sort of national database 
I, actually, I'm not really so sure about that anymore well, now. Well, we have so, well. Here's the argument I make for also national ID cards. I mean, it's a bit, a bit different, but we have a social security number, okay? And but if you were born before 2011, like you and I are, Joshua, if a baby is born, it gets a number. You'd say the end numbers are like two seven nine one. The baby born directly after that is all the numbers two seven nine two. It like just counts up based on you know the certain code. So you know, you know it's already not really secure. Every institution in America, private and public, uses it to check that you are you. So if we already have a system in place that's already bunk, you know, not great, we're not going to get rid of it. You know, we can't because it's already too ingrained in, the, in you know, American life. So why don't we actually, you know, improve it, make it more secure, and actually use it for things like a pandemic that we need to have proof of vaccination? Just a crazy idea that I could actually make government more efficient and make life more efficient for the average American that won't happen because we still have, you know, Tea Party ripoffs and their neighbors at Tucker Carlson running around screaming about individual liberty. So yeah, if, if someone's not vaccinated and they're able to be persuaded, this is their last chance. After that, I don't know. And I think something that might convince more hesitant uh, people to get the vaccine is for the FDA to finally move the vaccine out of emergency use and into normal use. Because they've got people like Laura Ingram saying on Fox News, oh, they're injecting experimental drugs in your body. And I just think that, you know, vaccine hesitancy would take a hit if the FDA began to move these vaccines out of emergency use into normal use. I think that would definitely boost their credibility, not that they're credible already, but in the eyes of those who are hesitant to be vaccinated, it would probably help. And with regards to the Biden administration as well, people typically blame presidential administrations for everything under the sun. But it just seems to me the Biden administration is just banging its head against the wall and trying to do anything it can to fight vaccine hesitancy, including bringing in, you know, just to look cool in front of the younger people, Olivia Rodrigo, who wore those aviator sunglasses with President Biden. I mean, I'm not really sure what more they could do to actually stop vaccine hesitancy because people have already made up their minds. And unless there's, you know, fines or a mandate, I don't really know what can be done. that concludes this episode of Gen Zero's Talk Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server, follow us on Instagram at Gen Zero's Talk Politics, and on Twitter at Gen Zero's Talk Poly with an I, and add or email us to ask your burning questions. Thanks for joining us and we hope to see you next time.